podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Whistleblowers Podcast. Busy, busy weekend of football we just had. Martin Gritton, you're here every week. Did you see any of the football this time round? You know what, I saw, I saw most of it, so you can ask me. Great. I'm just assuming that you will have seen the rest of it. Yes, don't, I'll, I'll fill in the gaps, don't worry. Uh, no Gareth Dobson this week. Uh, don't know what's happened to him, but he's he's bailed on the podcast. He hates the listeners, he said. Um, and uh, instead, we've got a friend of the show. You've heard his voice before on here many times, I'm sure. It's a comedian, writer, uh, Liverpool fan, Alfie Brown. Hello, Alfie. Hello, everybody. Uh, hello, listener. Hello, Mark. Hello, Grits. Don't say listener, singular. It's madness. No, but they listen to the people listen to the <laughs> it alone, don't they? They don't listen in groups. Well, so I do. I'm po- podcast party. <laughs> okay, cool. I've never um, been invited. You you won't be with that attitude. Okay. Uh, listen, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, we'll start with the games on uh, Sunday because for the first time in a while, I felt like uh, Super Sunday was pretty good. There were some good, interesting games where things that we didn't expect happened. And we're going to have to start with the Manchester derby, aren't we? Um, Martin, United City. First of all, did you watch it? Let's start with that. Yeah, watch most of it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Which bit? Which bit? <laughs> no, I did watch the start of it. I was I was, I was, was busy on other duties. As, as often with these, because it's football and all the time, I have it on yeah. in the background, just generally not on full volume. Uh, but I, my eyes were drawn to that. Obviously, just from the scoreline and, and just the way that Man U seemed to play uh, with, you know, higher intensity and started a lot quicker at the blocks. I thought City would be at it, you know. Um, but yeah. Man United getting the getting the, the you know getting the pulled on them this weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for uh, for United in those games. Uh, Alfie, City had won 21 on the bounce, and then. Pep played it like it was a, a Champions League quarterfinal and uh, filled his nappy. Talk me through what you made of that game. Uh, I found the whole thing to be uh, very predictable. I, I, my friend is a Man United supporter and uh, he said, do you want to come over to mine for the uh, game? And I said, uh, no. Uh, because I can't allow, leave the house because of all of my children that uh, the little life ruiners and the pandemic um, famously and the pandemic famously, <laughs> um, but I haven't named him so nobody's broken the law. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I, it was so predictable to me like the twenty-one wins on the bounce and these things, these things just have a way of coming to an end. Uh, course united always have played well against city they all they the the way that they play suits the way that city play and it's just it's not like about who wanted it more or who was more ferocious or who filled their nappy it's hard to win 21 games in a row even harder to win 22 that's why it doesn't happen very often so like it, it was there it was there for man united who yeah, who by by dint of these minor advantages that this psychology could lend you uh, uh, won the game and 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 stylistically they they're built for it. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right to say that actually. I mean, winning 21 games in a row is unbelievable. That's an incredible achievement. And this is the sort of the the tone that I've noticed since United beat them. Isn't that oh you know Man City fell apart or the tactics were wrong or any of that? It's more so that it's going to happen at some point. But isn't there something to be said for the fact that? A lot of the time, we don't really give Solskjaer much credit. Um, we think of him more as a you know a PE teacher that happens to be able to 
have these good relationships with players and get them playing. So in that sense, man management is good. But this is now a few times that he's got one over on Pep Guardiola and he seems to have his number. What is it about? And it can't just be that they let Man City have the ball and hit them on the break. It can't be as simple as that, can it, Grits? Uh, I, th- I think there's, there's the, the other factors involved in this one. I think the psychological elements of it, I think you're absolutely right, Alfie, when you talk about extending these records becomes, it's like an inevitability. There's a reason why it's always around, the record is around 20, 21, 22 games, because, you know, it's just, it, it can't continue further. City just, and the Liverpool result, result just happened. The psychology is, remember when Liverpool and City were winning every game, because that's what they had to do to keep that rivalry up. The rivalry's gone now. I mean, United even saying in the post-match that, you know, he's like, oh, we're, we're not even thinking about catching City at the minute. There's just, there was just no pressure on City. Mm. I agree that, um, you know, the planet's aligned for Oli because, you know, he clearly has some ability, but they, they were hit on the break. That's the irony in this. I still don't think that's necessarily the, the strongest City team that he could have had against him. But certainly, um, I, I did feel that, I did feel that United just wanted it more. Well, the thing is, so uh, this has been a weird season for all sorts of reasons. Um, there's not much to really look at at the top of the league. There's no, there's no title race. There's a bit of action in the top four race, and Fulham have made it interesting at the bottom. But you know what? If United have, had applied themselves in other games, for example, West Brom, Sheffield United, whoever, the same way they applied themselves yesterday. And I know it's different styles. You're playing against a team who would have more of the ball. You can hit them on the break. But just the intensity of how they played yesterday. If they played like that and applied themselves and passed with authority the way they did yesterday against those lesser sides where they drop points, we might actually have title rate of season grit. That's what annoys me about this United side yeah. is that it, it feels like years and years ago, I think Ferguson had a go at maybe, I don't know who it was. It was maybe Stuart Pierce or someone. And he said that, you know, if you played like that every week, you'd be winning more games, you'd do much better. You, you know, you're cheating your fans to only pull it out in the derby or the big game. And it feels a bit like United have done that yesterday. Um, who are you talking to? Either of us? I mean, this is no, it's an open question, really. Okay, great. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, but if uh, City had played like they had previously been playing against a Man United team that had managed to pull it out, then they would have won. It's not easy to play at your best every week, otherwise everybody would do it. And I don't really buy this idea that Solskjaer, oh, you know, deserves more credit. I also think everybody that wrote him off as a moron was uh, wrong. I think he he looks like a worse manager than he is because he has such a vacant look on his face when he's watching the football. <laughs> he looks like a dog watching somebody cry. <laughs> um, but like he's got a great record against Pep, but, um, but then uh, what's his name? Kiel Honevret has a better um, record against Ole Solskjaer than Ole Solskjaer does against Pep. So like, Oh, right. does, he, does Kiel Honevret then deserve? It's like, like playground like oh well uh, Fulham beat Man United and Man United beat this team which means that this team are better than Man United or what it's oh like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, of course really... of course it's arbitrary but at the same time you know Solskjaer has got a lot of stick for not being able to pull it out tactically against other tacticians and when he gets beaten by good managers everyone goes see you can't hack it at this level so at the same time you've got to acknowledge the fact that he's done all right there he's done pretty well it's a long-term thing though because it's yeah. if you look at the amount of like points that Man United have got 67 last season and however many it is this they've not gone over two points a game or managed to pull out uh, this is a, this is irrelevant season. all this stuff is so irrelevant it doesn't it is, it's, it's relative totally rel- it, it's not of relative it's not. of course it is of what are you talking about relevant. what are you talking about 
Why, why does it matter? You know, why does it matter? This is why the record points table, record points total doesn't really matter. I mean, it shows you've been brilliant, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that a team who got 100 points is better than a team that won it with 97 points. It's relative. It's to do with how strong the competition is, how strong the league is at the time. That's yeah, all but it what is. If, but, but then who's to quantify that one might be weaker at one point than is? So if you get 97 points in a <laughs> league that is X amount of strength, then hmm. it's you're a better team than if you got 98 points in a it's, no, no, but by that no, no, no. what would what would you rather do would you rather win the league with 85 points or come second with 90 it doesn't matter the points totals don't matter yeah who course, cares about obviously. points totals but then but then if you've won it would you rather win it with 85 points or 90 it doesn't matter. It does because you get to see more victories and you like watching what your team win. What are you talking win. about? This is why we've got what Alfie you, on the you show. You do not like watching your team win. What are you on about? I don't no, understand. Alfie, it, it, doesn't Alfie. Mean, it doesn't mean everything, but it doesn't mean nothing either, does it? <laughs> I don't think it means a great deal. Well, I think it means more than you think it means. Right. Okay, anyway, great. that, Martin, uh, what that do you existential think? conversation decides. Do, 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 do you think there's any point in looking back on previous seasons and going, well, we had this amount, this amount of points this time last season compared to that? Does that matter? I mean... <laughs> You both put forward valid arguments. I think that there's, 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 it depends. It depends on what the side is. I think if you're comparing it against themselves, I quite like it when Man United, because they won so many throughout the 90s, 2000s. When you compare those seasons, and it's generally yeah. has been to, to answer both your points. I think market's been down to the quality of the opposition based on how many points they've got, and I, I genuinely don't think they give a shit whether they they. They want whatever they want it by because they've they've found a way to do it. But I, yeah. I do totally agree that I would rather win the league with more points than 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 less, just because it's more yeah, impressive. Of course you would. Yeah, of course you would. But also you t- you've got to take into consideration other competitions being played at the same time. You know, if you're Absolutely. if you're doing one of the Champions League, it doesn't you know, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Anyway, so let's get seven points get in the to... Champions League wins pretty pretty impressive. Um go on, sorry. Your podcast. Did you win the league when you won the Champions League as well? Huh? No, but nobody's right. ever done that. Before. Okay, best left back in the league. Let's talk about it because um, for a long time it's been Andrew Robertson at, at Liverpool, and it still probably is. But that performance yesterday from Luke Shawgrits, how impressed were you by that? Yeah, it was great. It was good to see him back to what he's what he's really good at, and all, all that kind of the bursting run, decent finish. Yeah. I mean, it, they 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 talked up the finish a little bit better than it probably was. He's just he's so. literally just swung his left. He swung at it. <laughs> he's just swung it, and it's club clobbered in the bottom, but. It's just, yeah, and it's pleasing for his journey. To be honest, it's pleasing. We've spoken about him a, a few times on the pod, just the fact that he's been given the time to come back and, you know, whether that's, that's because he's on such a big contract, they can't get rid of him. But he's, he's, he's proved his worth and he's, and he's kept off some decent challenges this season for his, for his place in the team. So, uh, no, no, good yeah. luck to him. A fair play. It's nice. Yeah, it's good to see someone who's come back from bad injury. And that was talked about for a long time. I think you only get a couple of seasons of grace after a bad injury, unless it's a career ender, obviously. It um, did look like then, it was a horrible leg break. It, it, re- it really did, yeah. And then he had sort of managers who just didn't really fancy him. Um, but now, Alfie, I can't think of... I, I don't know who is ahead of him in the pecking order for England. Uh, no, he'd certainly be my choice. Uh, for... If we started next week, you, you've got him in there. Have you? If I was playing four at the back, yeah, definitely. And if you're um, not playing, if we're playing three at the back, which you probably will do, do you think he goes in as, as wing back? I don't know. I'd play. For, I don't. I don't. I kind of. I lose the will to live when you start playing three at the back. But yeah, oh, I don't. God, I don't so. know if you'd want something different. If you could do a um, Callum Hudson Adoy shaped thing or whatever that the equivalent of that would be for the left. Uh, but uh, Luke Shaw, I yeah. think, is um, brilliant, and I think it's really, really great to see somebody with the same body fat percentage as me uh, playing Premier League football. <laughs> I think it's really encouraging. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So give you hope. Yeah, it really does give me give me hope that an alcoholic <laughs> man with a sixteen percent body fat percentage can play Premier League football. He's looked great. Oh, thank God. I thought I thought you were talking about him then uh, and slandering him and putting us in legal trouble. Uh, no, that's that, that's the demographic of our pod, uh, Alfie. So <laughs> um, he looks great. I mean, I don't know how long you have to look great for before people start talking about you as the left, uh, the best left back in the league. But he certainly is the uh, the form left back. The in form the league. one, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know who actually competes with him because at the minute, Chilwell doesn't look like he's really fancied that much by Tuchel. Um, and also, even then, he started the season well, sure well, but I don't think he's been great when he's been playing, has he? No. I'm not sure. Yeah. It, I mean, the fact that Marcus Alonso is getting minutes uh, is probably not a, a good sign for Chua. Uh, on the other flank, though, uh, let's talk about Aaron Wan-Bissaka because Raheem Sterling now hasn't scored against United in 20-odd games. It's a really weird thing that's happening with him there. Um, and we've talked about it on the show lots of times, haven't we, Grits, that we don't actually think that he's a, a natural finisher, despite the insane number of goals that he's scored in his career so far. But I can't remember a uh, a sort of a duel between two players where it's been more one-sided over the last few games than Wan-Bissaka and, and Raheem Sterling. Certainly not in terms of high-profile games. Uh, Martin, what, what do you make of Wan-Bissaka? I mean, is he someone that you could talk about as a potential England player? It's just he's horrible to play against. I would, I'd imagine he strikes he's the sort of player that plays like that in training. They played a five-a-side with these nephews and nieces. He'd do this, he'd just snap them in half and just has no... It's just that he takes so much pleasure from stifling others, but then making them pay, punishing them with, you know, attacking forward. As soon as he's got the ball, he's away. He's always wanting it. Um, yeah, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I, I've always been a big fan of his since, uh, since his move from Palace because that's a it's, a... it's a horrible move. We were just talking about Luke Shaw there. You move from a club like Palace and you, you kind of set up for failure someone someone like United particularly with uh, kind of the way that he was brought in under that management so um, yeah no brilliant love, love the way he plays and yeah absolutely I think you know England have got a lot of competition probably more competition for right back but I certainly think he's he's up there yeah I'd have him Alfie on the plane if you get on the plane it might be hosted in England <laughs> I'd have him on the Fire uh, around for a bit and get back the hovercraft get him uh, on the hovercraft to Wembley uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't play him at right back or right wing back. Certainly not. But I'd. I'd certainly consider having him on the right of a three. I think it could be. Uh, I think I'd be really, really interested in seeing him. Uh, uh, seeing him there. I think he's incredible. But he's almost like a specialist player that just he does Absolutely. this one thing inconceivably well. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see him on the right side of a three, much more so than I'd like to see Kyle Walker there. Yeah. Yeah. I. I agree. I, I mean. I think he's so specialist that I wouldn't even think of him being in a set formation. I, I would have him in the squad for England purely because mm. if we come up against someone who's absolutely outstanding out of this world, Mbappe or whoever, we can do the old-fashioned thing and go, right, we're going to man-mark him, we're going to shackle him. And there's no one I can think of better in world football to do that than wan He's got spider's legs, Alfie. He's got he spider's does. legs. He does. He does. Mbappe wouldn't fancy that. Um, I mean, it's sadly for you, Martin, we're going to stick on England a little bit here. Um I want to talk about Phil Foden. He was fantastic against your side, Alfie, against Liverpool. He was great against Everton. And Foden hasn't really had a sniff of football since then. Um, you know, Pep's told us that he's the best player he's ever seen in training. He's he's this, he's that, he's the next coming. Second coming, next coming, who knows. But um, Phil Foden, why, why isn't he playing? Where is he? Is what, it what do we do about this? when Pep says that he's the best player he's ever seen? Do you think that's bollocks? Um, bollocks. 
I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, he he <coughs> must. He must see something insane in him that is. It, it must. Phil Foden is a wonderful footballer. <laughs> he is, it, but it must be it, wrong. But it's PR. It's PR, though, right? This is surely just Pep going. Yeah, that's what like, I mean. He's, he's a young English player. He's a Man City lad. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say bollocks, but I would say that it's uh, certainly massaged. Okay, <laughs> massaged Foden. But what's happening with him, Grits? I mean, if you're if you're Phil Foden. You know, you've been promised the world essentially by by Pep, and yet you're being used so sparingly. You look around the league, and other players your age are getting played. You know, plenty of minutes. What what, what, do, you, yeah. what do you make of it? No, I, don't, I think it's really odd. I think what Mares was out for. Uh, Mares was out for a weird amount of time. He just missed out on rotation. Then he came back in and did really well. But he's, he's do you know that? Uh, it's very difficult to understand when he speaks like food, speaks about food and like that, and then doesn't give him. A solid run because he's clearly got the energy to do it but it's yeah yeah the psychology behind it you don't know what's happening on the training pitch you don't know what what's going on between him and pep and he um yeah i, I mean alfie probably be a better place because he's not playing against the team that i support and torn us apart so um i would imagine it's more frustrating when you see players like that that have the potential for england that are just not getting played by by someone like pep yeah i mean he in that Liverpool game, Alfie, he was he was astonishing, and I I felt like I I saw there being no way that he wouldn't play at least a, a, a decent amount of time in that United game. He seemed like a big game player, and the one that, that Pep trusts in big games, and especially when you've just seen seventy minutes of of, of Sterling struggling against Wan Bissaka, why not change it earlier? What, what's what's happening there? Um, I I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know, but I would speculate that maybe Pep, being this sort of uh, neurotic avant-garde genius that he is, has said mm. to Phil Foden, "Okay, that was brilliant. You've stunned everybody into uh, uh, silence, uh, and now go away and work on this bit of your game, and come back and be even better." I mean, I can't really think that he must have seen something that Phil Foden isn't doing that yes. he wants him to improve and he's I, I think it's a really interesting position for uh england going forward because that player that can link midfield to the attack uh so Grealish, foden mount mm. uh possibly curtis jones um madison uh yeah uh it is is something that southgate is or should be looking at um and for Grealish would be my pick because I'm not a philistine, but uh, Foden. Thank you, Alfie. Is not that, that is why. That's behind. actually why you're on the show. Yeah, to to join in my Grealish, <laughs> my pro Grealish propaganda. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all this show is. It should be called. This should be, show should be called Jack Grealish's shin pads. And that's what it should be called. Whistleblowers, yeah. Grealish blowers. <laughs> yes, Jack Grealish Grealish's muscular ass. <laughs> okay, we are we we are looking for new sponsorship, so try not to go overboard on the Grealish stuff. Um, okay. Before we go to a break, uh, very quickly, Martin, let's move away from English football and let's move to the Scottish Premiership. Uh, you're a Celtic fan. Uh, obviously, Rangers have won it this weekend. Uh, just briefly, talk us through. Talk us through what a job Gerard has done there and what this means for Celtic as a club going forward. Is is there a great reset coming? Yeah, there was a the complacency around Celtic. When they put Lennon in charge to take us over the line for the, the halfway through that season, there should have been a decision made and a, a new manager backed. Because we had some of the right players, but there was definitely something that needed a new direction and a kind of new long-term strategy rather than just 
wheeling out our best 11 and just hoping that it would work and just yeah. grossly underperformed. Gerard's done brilliant because I quite like the energy of, of some of the young players he's brought in. Kind of also moved away from, the needles kind of moved away from the, the sectarian sort of side of things. Between the two clubs, I feel like there's just a more, it's been more about the football and I think Rangers have been much better. I think a lot of things have happened Um at Celtic, they probably need to be sorted, but yeah, not taking anything away from Rangers, it's been the best team by a mile. And I think it's good for Scottish yeah. football that there is that rivalry. A lot of Celtic fans feel begrudged that Rangers are kind of, um, there's been the financial irregularities and the way that their, their fans have kind of supported over the last couple of days. But who's to say Celtic wouldn't have done that? Because we've not yeah, exactly absolutely. covered ourselves in glory um, with the way that we've reacted to things this season. Yeah, I saw Dundee United against Celtic yesterday, or Sunday, and it was uh, it was tough to watch, man. Has it been like that all season? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's been some dire. If anything, needed some some supporters or just something to create an atmosphere at Scottish football at the minute. I think a lot mm. of the, the teams in there, the, the, there's just not the same incentives up there, and it's very hard when you're comparing it to the, the Premier League all the time because it's just, yeah. you know, it's frustrating. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think... Um, yeah, this this should push reset on Scottish football for a little bit. Grits, did yeah, you yeah. find that um you became less involved or like you you cared less, say after the sixth or seventh league win, that you just sort of shrugged it off a little bit? Did 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 the energy of these victories dissipate for you slightly? There was a couple of things. I mean, the the, the complacency and then the rivalry were always like pitched up against Aberdeen and teams that just weren't we just didn't have the same resources and just inevitably weren't going to compete. So yeah, there definitely was that sort of almost hate to say it, that sort of winning fatigue thing. But the, yeah, the yeah. weird thing, the weird thing was the 10 in a row this year, the writing was on the wall for us when Adidas took over and started doing this kind of, the campaign was 10. It was like this big 10th year thing. And everyone started talking about the victory at the beginning of the season. It was just like, hang on a minute. This yeah, is, you yeah, know, yeah. grossly. <laughs> uh, and and then they're not the only ones to, to be guilty of it. And ironically, wearing my New Balance top, the New Balance curse of Liverpool and Celtic, uh, both losing their, 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 their shirt, not losing, moving away from their shirt sponsors to, to other pastures has, uh, has not been lost. Oh, dear. Yeah. I didn't know it was uh, that. Little insight. That was oh, it. Guns. Oh no, the Illuminati, New Balance. Right, let's go to a break. Right, have a quick break. Afterwards, we'll talk about Liverpool and we'll talk about, possibly talk about the worst ever game of football uh, in the history of the sport. Right, see you in a minute. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Uh, we're with Alfie Brown. Hello, Alfie. We're with you because uh, not only are you a good egg, a good lad, a funny man, and Jack a football Grealish expert. Fan. 
Jack Grealish fan, but you're also a Liverpool supporter, and it's been a tough time for you guys at the minute. So it makes sense to get you on here and ask just what the F is going O. Um, on. well, uh, uh, well, um, let's we... start with Fulham. Let's start with the Fulham game. Super Fulham FC. Sure. Because I, I looked at that team sheet and Martin, I'm sure you'll agree with me here. I looked at that team sheet before it, uh, before kickoff. And I was sort of amazed at what I was looking at with that Liverpool side. I, I just, it felt like a return to the Hodgson era. You know, you could have had Paul Koncheski on that team sheet or, or Christian Poulsen and they wouldn't look out, out of place. Now, is that is that due to Klopp making lots of changes? Is that due to him sort of second-guessing himself? Is it just due to injuries? And does um, that lead into the performance and what's been going on for the last five or six weeks? Well, I mean, you can't say that there were all these changes and then and 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 suddenly Liverpool were crap. It it well, we've been crap for quite some time, and these changes yeah. just didn't ameliorate the crapness. Uh, also, I don't really understand what like we had our midfield was Wijnaldum, Cater, and Milner. Uh, mm-hmm. Robertson, who for, se- for season upon season has been the best left back in the world, that's that's beyond Conchessa. We've got, I mean, Trent was rested. That was the big <laughs> resting decision that was made. Uh, and then Firmino got a knock. Mane was rested. Jota was back from injury. Milner was back from injury. Cater was back from injury. Fabinho was back from injury. It, I mean, it's just sort of all these changes sort of made sense to me, and we were just still there. What are you laughing at? I'm not laughing at anything. You'd better hear me if I was laughing. I'm smiling okay. because I'm happy that you're here. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Well, I, I looked at that team. Look, Cater hasn't really played much this season. And when he when he has done for the last two seasons, he's he's looked good in flashes, in, you know, in moments. But he hasn't looked like someone who can step in and do a job um, reliably for any length of time. You know, Milner, we all love Milner, but he's a workman, isn't he? He's not going to open a defence up. Who else did you mention in there who's starting? Wijnaldum. Yes, Wijnaldum's good. But again, we don't know what's happening with him long term. It's difficult to to have a player like that in a squad when we don't know what's going on with him. Uh, I mean, the back four, forget about it. I don't know. I don't even know who any of those players are anymore. Well, exactly. <laughs> if, if you had told me when we'd played 27-1-26 last season, that yeah, at this yeah. time next season, we'd have the centre-back from uh, German <laughs> second division Stuttgart <laughs> and Kidderminster Harrier's own Reese Williams playing. Go on, Kiddy. We, have, we have the worst centre-back part pairing in, in the league. That oh, can't be underestimated. That's a big shout. Let's have a look at the league. Let, let's have a think about this. Is that right, Grits? Have they got the worst centre-back partnership with the well, league? Yesterday, to be fair, that's been yes, chopping yes, and changing around. But yesterday, that doesn't get worse than that, I don't think. I don't think it does. You couldn't predict, a more, you're absolutely right, more cataclysmic, just disintegration of one of the best teams we've seen in British football in the last 20 years. Just, yeah. like, through all those different factors. And also, Klopp just sitting out even... After it, just like, this is my lowest point, you know, in his post-match. And you're just like, you just have to draw a line under this one. And to be honest, it's better everything completely fucking up and then just being able to yeah. start from scratch next season. Because you may as well, you may, you may as well try any sort of partnership with some of those guys, but, you know, and, and I don't know how you're going to reset it. But yeah, when players like Gigi and Aldam are making the press because you don't know what they're doing next season, he should be fucking lucky that if he gets offered you know, a six-month extension. It's like, there's no loyalty when it comes to um, the performances we've seen from either some of the players or just their unluckiness with injuries and various other things this season. Yeah, I wonder, Alfie, if if you are better off, like Grit says there, everything going wrong at once, rather than a sort of slow three or four season car crash 
where you're sort of destitute at the end of it, like we saw with Manchester United. I mean, it's a similar sort of thing, really, after Ferguson left. They they are still recovering from that. Maybe it's mm. better that they have this short, sharp shock now and then can start rebuilding immediately. But how important is Champions League football to that immediate rebuild? Uh, I'm not an expert economist, I must confess. However... I think the say from a from a Champions League group stage campaign you earn 45 million. Well if we have a run in the Champions League this season that goes to the semis perhaps maybe fingers crossed if we're extremely lucky then that's like a group that's like group stage this year and group stage next year. So financially you could sort of offset not being in next season against that. Uh, in terms of getting people to join I'm not sure that that's as big as as big a deal as it once would have been. I mean I t- texted you yesterday saying I feel fairly zen about this. Zen, I, yeah. Uh, because I look at the players that we've got. I think what you said about Cater slightly undersells him. I think the prob- the reason why people aren't raving about him quite in the manner in which I think the way that he plays deserves is because he's out with injury so much. I think he's an incredible player. Uh, Henderson, uh, Fabinho, uh, Van Dijk, Gomez, I worry about because he's had three extremely long-term injuries right now. And whilst it seems sort of unfair uh, to be a boy in a hoodie sniping about somebody's career prospects on a podcast, um, (laughs) I just, I worry about whether he can, you know, make a, make a career where he's playing 30 eight game season in season out. But then there's also the signings that we're going to make. I've watched Hodgson's Liverpool and, and other Liverpool's that have not been up to scratch either. I've also watched uh, Chelsea win the league come 10th and then win the league again the following season. Yeah, It's yep. just not a catastrophe. But, with season, a, but hang on, hang on. But, but the Chelsea example there is, is different in that they will chop and change their managers so quickly. Whereas what, what we might see here is, this feels more like a, a, an end of Dortmund, Jurgen Klopp. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that even if Van Dijk comes back and these players come back, it feels more to me than just personnel. Now it feels, it feels like something has changed fundamentally at that club. I think a lot. Chelsea of- thing, I agree with the Chelsea thing, but, but because they're chopping and changing so often, I feel like there's a reset every few months essentially with that club. I think it's very, very hard for these players to deal with the fact that they're not the best team in the league are not in the top two best teams in the league. And if they're not going for, they could kill themselves when they knew that they were trying to go for a league. And now that they're not trying to go for a league, now that they're not, maybe even trying, can they get themselves up for the idea of going for top four? Probably not. If I was playing Mm. for them, I I wouldn't really, I'm not sure if I could get behind that belief um, given. But but Grits, as an ex-pro then, are are you, do you agree with that? Or do you think that as a professional, you should be able to get yourself up for whatever target it is you've still got in, in, in mind? Uh, well, it's it's almost irrespective. You can get up for it. It's how other people treat you. That this Liverpool team was seen to be indestructible, you know, infallible, and all those players have had their moments. Whether it's uh, Van Dijk getting skinned by um, Bamford, or when it, whether it's you know uh, Allison having a punch up with Robertson. Do you know what I mean? All these different things where you're seeing guys that you just don't think they're going to crack. You just don't think they get yeah, atable, yeah. and now all of these players are. So if the reset's going to come from somewhere, it comes from the personnel. I would you wouldn't get rid of Klopp in a million years. I mean, no Liverpool, no sane Liverpool fan or no. anyone on their board would ever because you would you would just sacrifice the talent over that. And then if you were going to turn around and say what could change their fortunes, it's simple. You get a player of Mbappe's quality or uh, you know whoever is that yeah, yeah. you get someone that you just rally around and then and you can actually so Van Dijk will come back stronger than ever and you know that those guys will. 
we'll prove it again. But you got to do a major culling of the the changing rooms. Ferguson yeah. did it. Ferguson was ruthless about it. Yeah, I think over that. the next one or two years, we'll see that. And I think Julian Vachka, or I don't know how you pronounce the Borussia Dortmund CEO's name, but it's something like that, uh, said after Klopp left Dortmund that he said, well, I think we made a mistake. Uh, Klopp famously said when he left Dortmund, uh, it's either I go or you get 11 new players in because I've asked all I can of these players. And I think yeah. we might be verging on that. And I doubt that he actually meant 11 exactly new players. No, of course. But he means um, churn. He means churn. And this is what they didn't do, sort of Levy didn't do for Pochettino. And which is why, okay, Spurs are doing pretty well the last few weeks, but why they've now got Jose and they play this style of football. Exactly. Now it's, it's much, I think we all agreed at the time that they're much better off keeping Pochettino and changing four or five key players. And Liverpool now are in a similar situation where the front three are all 28 or 29. You've got... There's 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 not that many young players in that side. So it, it's just a summer or two, or, or three or four windows, let's say, summer, winter, summer, winter, of, of bringing in younger players to get that average age down, to get some impetus back into that side. I don't yeah. think it's a huge rebuild at all. I just think it's... Three or four may be crucial positions. Yes, I think when you look at the players that could be playing in five years' time... Um, in that team, probably Allison because of the way that goalkeepers age, uh, yep. Trent and Robbo and Gomez if everything goes according to plan, uh, Fabinho Jones, and then a ho- an entirely Kabak. new front three. Uh, Kabak, yeah, I think, I think, I think actually uh, he's due to get nailed to a frisbee and flung over a rainbow. Uh, at some point. <laughs> I actually think a lot of that's <laughs> starting up front. I, I think a lot of the criticism of him has been pretty unfair because he's like, what is he, a twenty-year-old boy who's new to the league? And is he twenty? Yeah, he's twenty. He looks he looks haunted and old. I've said it before. He looks like he's got a poltergeist at his house and he can't sleep. Um, well, maybe that maybe they've all got poltergeist at their house and they can't sleep because that would certainly well, you, explain yeah. a lot about what had been going on at Liverpool this season. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was it? If he came out and was like, "What was Klopp? What, Jürgen? What's the reason for this demise?" <laughs> Well, we've got, we all live in one big house and we've got a poltergeist. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Uh, right, let's move on because we've been running out of time now. Um, thank you for your input on, on Liverpool there, Alf. You're very measured. Very measured man. I'm such a um, measured football fan. You are. You are so measured. Uh, West Brom versus Newcastle was uh, technically a game of football that happened uh, at the weekend. Did either one of you watch it? Uh, I watched a couple of episodes of Frasier which we could talk about instead, if you like. <laughs> Can we? Which ones were they? Uh, the one uh, where with Derek Jacobi, where they think yeah. he's the greatest actor in the world, and then he comes to do yeah, the monologue yeah. and he keeps gasping in between. Yeah, uh, good episode. Yeah. So it's ironic, Jacobi was up front for West Brom as well. He was uh, an excellent game. <laughs> really good hold-ups. Like... I, um, I would rather talk about these things. That, that, I can't think of a worse game of football that I've ever seen than West Brom Newcastle. So you know what? Let's just not even bother. Let's not bother. No, it doesn't. It deserve was just rubbish. It doesn't deserve our breath. Let's ignore it. Instead, then let's job. talk about. Oh what? What? It's not our. It's not our job. It's to not talk our job to talk about football. It's certainly no. not for paid anything for this. So it's not our job to do anything. We pay to do this in a way. We give our time. Um, let's finish off instead. Then let's talk about Leicester because they were a goal down against. Uh, a Brighton side that don't really get thumped. They're quite a solid side. They're just not that good. They're a goal down against uh, against them. Players out injured and, you know, having a difficult time of it. Looks like they were going to drop out, of, potentially drop out of the running for top four. But instead, they came back and they got the win. It was a rubbish goal. Doesn't matter. Talk to me, Grits, about their mentality. Because that, that, to me, I was really, I was really, really impressed by that. I thought that had a Brighton win all, all over it. 
or at least points taken off Leicester. But in the end, they got through it and they did. They just worked a way out to win that game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when I think managers like Rogers do deserve the credit. I think, you know, the, the energy, the way he has got like kind of a really positive outlook. He's probably invested in some of these players a bit longer than the we've thought that he would, you know, actually yeah, yeah, being yeah. one of them. Um, and that can sometimes give them a new lease of life. And when they haven't necessarily got all the resources to bring in players of the calibre that they might, they might need to, I think brilliant. You're absolutely right. Bright enough. I do feel sorry for Potter because I, th- I, I really like him as a manager. He was yeah. playing, at, he was at Macclesfield Town. I remember he had the same, that Paul Weller Barnett, he's had it since uh, 1996 or whatever. Fucking, <laughs> But I, I remember him playing centre midfield. It's just funny when you see him now and you're just like, you know, gracing the such beautiful stadiums as Moss Rose and how well he's done as a manager to, to get up there. So yeah, I, I yeah. did feel a little bit sorry for him. But he, he does he does look a little bit doomed and you, you fear for them. You feel like Fulham, they're the team they're going to catch. Yeah, Alfie, let's talk about that. Um just a quick quick word on Leicester though first Alfie and then we'll talk about uh, Brighton and Fulham and Newcastle um, they've had a lot of injury problems Leicester just like Liverpool have and they, they've probably exceeded expectations um, how good is Rodgers do, th- do you think he'll get a shot at another big club um, it's difficult isn't it because I don't I first of all I think I mean if he gets Leicester into the top 4 this season then his shot at another big club is Leicester and it's a big yeah. club that he's created and turned into a big club. I wouldn't go from Leicester to Arsenal right now. Um okay. So uh yeah, I think I think that's his best shot is making Leicester that big club. They've got a lot of money. They're not poor. They're not one of the they're not overperforming their financial output massively um they are slightly and i feared for the worst yesterday when i saw the lineup because it i i i remembered uh his final season at liverpool and every single week you'd see a different formation and people in different positions and moving emre chan to uh left back and uh <laughs> you know gardner and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. um and it's him basically trying to solve all the problems himself and trying to manage his way out of difficult positions and not trusting the players to do it themselves. But Leicester, uh, to their credit, uh, did it. I felt like it was one of those victories that it wasn't all down to the glory of Leicester and their triumph of mentality. It was it was good fortune that now with hindsight makes yeah. us go, oh, what a well what a brilliantly fought victory. Absolutely. It could have not gone their way. but um, It could easily have done, yeah. yeah. I hope uh, they uh, crash and burn out of the top four immediately. Of course and you Liverpool do. Make it. But no, they're very Of course impressive. you do. Yeah, uh, okay, quickly, uh, we've got like 30 seconds left. Alfie, who's going to go down this season? Is it going to be Fulham, Newcastle or Brighton? Uh, it's going to be uh, Newcastle. Newcastle, Grits, same question to you. Oh, I just I just gave Brighton doom for the chops. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Oh dear. Yeah, tough sort of tough stuff. I'm gonna go for Newcastle, but I don't know. Uh I don't know what to I don't know anything. As you've you heard for the last hour. I do know. You, you, you know Newcastle. Yeah, oh. I do. All right, you put your money on put your money on Newcastle. Yeah. Right, we've got to go. Uh thank you, Alfie, for joining us this week. Thank you, Grits, for being here as ever. We'll yep. be back uh, same time, same place next week, probably with Gareth Dobson, who's been missing. It's been noted, Gareth. It's been noted. Um we'll be back next time. Right, cheers, guys. This has been the whistleblowers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.